From the Carter Subaru Studios, this is Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome back to the show. Third hour. It's like I always say, this hour's fun because the first two hours, all the bosses are listening. So we have to kind of play it a little close to the best. But then the third hour, they've all gone to bed. They're just, I don't know what they're doing. But now this is just us. We're just hanging out. on their uh, cash-filled mattresses. Yes, yes. They're just... I was going to say they're, no, I'm not going to say they're drinking. People don't do that. Um, but this is where we can just hang out. So thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Jake Skorheim, your host. Let's get to it. Uh, this was something that I saw earlier. I didn't know this was a thing. People apparently were well aware of this. I was not aware of it. People told me in the text line, Jake, how could you not know this is a thing that police do? House Bill 1062 seeks to remove something that apparently police officers are able to do when they're interrogating people. House Bill 1062 seeks to remove deception as a tactic by law enforcement to elicit a confession during custodial interrogations. Now, I've seen a lot of movies. Uh, I know how it works in the movies, but I didn't know how it works in real life. And apparently in real life, what you can do legally is be lied to. The police can lie to you and they can say, hey, we have evidence against you. We know that this DNA is going to match you, and the best thing for you to do right now is confess. And then, once they get their confession from you, that's all they need. So they don't even need the evidence that they said they were going to get. So this bill right now is trying to define custodial interrogation as pertaining to the questioning actions or words used by an officer to elicit incriminating responses from individuals who are in custody or otherwise significantly deprived of a freedom of action. So... Say, police bring you in for questioning, but maybe you're not arrested. And they say, uh, we know this is you. And then you confess because maybe they've been questioning you for hours and hours and hours, and they wear you down. I'm really conflicted about this because I want them to be able to catch criminals. And somebody texted me about this earlier, and they explained it to me, and it made complete sense why they how they explained it. And I shot back. I said, hey, I understand that if you're a cop, to catch bad guys, to catch the rats, sometimes you got to get down into the gutter, which I just came up with on the fly, which I actually think is a pretty good analogy for criminals and police. You got to get those rats, and sometimes you got to get dirty to do it. I understand that, but I'm conflicted because I also tell my kids you shouldn't lie because my kids are constantly trying to manipulate me and lie to me about everything that I ask them to do. They say, D-, I say, did you brush your teeth? Yes. Did you really? No. So I don't want my kids to lie, but I want cops to catch bad guys. And if bad guys are lying, should the cops manipulate as to with any amount they can within the law to get bad guys and get bad guys off the streets? Yes, I think they should. But should they be lying to do that? Matt, what are your thoughts? This is very confusing. It's weird because we want accountability and honesty from every other function of government. We say, don't lie to us. Give us the truth. And then we also have issues with, you know, abuses of power. But then we're saying, hey, well, in these scenarios, we'll allow you to lie. It's disingenuous. I understand the logical disconnect. But I also, I know somebody's going to come up with an example of, oh, we caught this terrible person because of using this technique. And yes. Like, yeah, they should have been caught. Yeah, so then what if that terrible person ends up on the street? 
Yeah. It's like there's a, I should have pulled this clip and thinking about this. There's a clip that Dwight Schrute says on The Office, and he says, better that a thousand men are locked up than one guilty man goes free. But isn't that part of the constitutional premise is that everybody has the same rights and the, you can't well, yeah, take away. You're going to bring the constitution. You can't take away yes, a right, yes, yes, just yes. because it gets somebody abuses or slips through the system. So somebody who now this wasn't in our country, but she was testifying in front of an, in front of Olympia. Amanda Knox, you guys remember that name? She's local here. She's from our, our area. A few years back, she went back to I think it was in 2007. Is that right? That might be right. 2007 ish. She's in Italy. She's taking a year abroad to go and study, and she gets a roommate and lives in a picturesque little town, and while she's there, her roommate is horrifically murdered, killed in a horrible way, and it captured the attention of the world. Amanda Knox. Of course you know who the name Amanda Knox is. You may not remember the circumstances, but she was in jail in Italy, and she was put on trial because they charged her and her boyfriend at the time with the murder of her roommate. I think the roommate's name was uh, Meredith Kirchner. So they charge Amanda Knox with this grisly, awful, horrific murder. They bring her in to question her about this. Yeah, it was 2007, November of 2007, in uh, Perugia, Italy. Perugia? Perugula? Doesn't matter. Perugula. It's in Italy. Yeah. Perugula. So they question her for 53 hours over five days. And if you're doing the math, you're realizing that she's probably not getting a ton of sleep. And they're telling her things that they know according to Amanda Knox, that they knew to be untrue, but they were saying, we have you on this. We know this is you. We talk to people. We have surveillance footage. We have the DNA. We have all these things. And then they're keeping somebody awake for 53 hours. And they're telling her all these things. And then she is saying, I feel like I'm going crazy. She actually said, she goes, um, uh, she was testifying in front of this committee. She says, I was subjected to 53 hours of questioning over five days in a foreign language without legal counsel. And she says, by the end of my interrogation, I thought I was insane because of how they gaslit me. I hate that word, gaslit. But she says, this is the greatest issue for me when it comes to resolving issues of wrongful convictions. Because apparently they can do this in Italy too. When she was giving this testimony, I assumed that she was just misunderstood. She just misunderstood how our legal system works here, but I guess she was right. So she was acquitted eventually in 2011. She was uh, originally um, convicted of the murder. She served four years in prison. Eventually she was um, acquitted. Uh, when they tried to um, uh, appeal the case and released in 2011. That's what that sound. This this is what that sounded like. But she was in prison for four years. Both defendants have been acquitted by the charges A, B, C for not committing the fact and also charge E because the crime does not exist and rejected the request of the public prosecutor it, it's ordered that they be that Amanda and Knox and Raffaele Solicito be immediately released. Please order. So somebody on the other side of this, he's a guy whose name is uh, James McMahon. This is all in a MyNorthwest.com article. You can check it out there if you want to. He's the policy director with the Association of Sheriffs and Police Chiefs. And he also testified in front of the committee. And he explained to them that, yes... Police officers have to bend the truth. He says, sometimes it is an unfortunate reality. We have to lie to people in order to get them to tell the truth, which is really interesting. And he says, if we could somehow get people to actually be required to tell us the truth, we wouldn't have to lie. That's the unfortunate reality of law enforcement. 
So there's this strange dichotomy where, yes, you have to lie in order to get but a bad guy. But sometimes confessions aren't evidence because there have been people who confess to crimes they didn't commit. Well, that's what happened in the Amanda Knox case that we just played. She, so she was, if, you know, if the confession is all you can build the case around. It wasn't a confession, but yes, it was. It was. They used it against what her. What I'm saying is if this officer is saying, okay, we want to use these lies to get someone to confess. Yes. If that's all you have, the confession, to close your case, that's not good. Yeah. No, it's 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 definitely tricky. And I understand that people are conflicted about it. I'm conflicted about it. I think it's bizarre that they can lie. I, did, I was surprised by that. I thought that was entrapment, but I was wrong. People told me that's not entrapment. And that's I'm not a lawyer. I host a radio show, so don't sue me. Just I'm a radio host. You are not a lawyer. I'm doing the best I can, folks. I don't know what all these rules are. I was surprised by that. I understand why police don't want it to go away. They have to lie about certain things. They have to protect informants, all those types of things. They have to lie, and I understand that. But I also understand that, yeah, it's like kind of a tricky gray area. So I don't know the answer. You guys might have an opinion about this. 888-973-973. 5476. Let me know. That's the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. Hit me up there and let me know. All right, let's move on. Next. Way down among Brazilians, coffee beans grow by the billions. So they've got to find those extra cups to fill. They've got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. You can't get cherry soda because they guys like got coffee? To fill that quota. I love coffee. I don't like it as much as I do. But they never will. They've got a zillion tons of coffee in Brazil. I promise you, you don't like coffee as much as I do. I love this stuff. You drink coffee, Matt? I do. I love a good cup of coffee. You drink, how many cups a day do you drink? Uh, you know, I've cut back because I'm just trying to cut back on caffeine in general, plus working nights. I mean, I love the coffee we get here, but it's if I drink stuff. it at night, yeah. I'm going to be up till tomorrow night. Yeah, good luck. Not <laughs> so going to happen. I have had to cut back, but generally, I do two to three a day. Well, apparently, according to the World Economic Forum, which again, these are the people that want you to eat bugs, so take everything they say with a grain of salt. There's a guy there. He's a Swiss Put banker. Put salt on the bugs. Yeah, you should eat it with salt. There's a guy there. He's a Swiss banker. His name is Hubert Keller. Uh, that's probably how you pronounce his name, actually. He's a Swiss banker, and I imagine he's very wealthy. He's He looks well-heeled because he's speaking at Davos, the World Economic Forum. He explains that coffee is actually really, really bad for the environment. I think Lisa actually mentioned this last week, or we had a... Uh, yeah, we, we had... were talking about uh, Dave Ross's commentary about the most environmentally friendly way to drink coffee. We were debating if the K-cup pods were environmentally good or bad. Well, this guy's not even specifying K-cups. He just says all coffee drinking is releasing CO2, like a lot of CO2 into the atmosphere. So my question to you is... Are you going to stop drinking it just because this guy says so? Basically, the coffee that we all drink um, emits between 15 and 20 tons of CO2 per ton of coffee. So we should all know that this is every time we drink coffee, we are basically putting CO2 into the atmosphere. Um, the other, and one of the reasons is because most of the coffee plantation, or most of the coffee is produced through monoculture. And, um, and, and monoculture is also affected by climate change. Um, the quality of these nature assets is uh, deteriorating quite rapidly. So is this something you're going to listen to? Here's a simple response I would have to that. Mm-mm. No, 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 hell no. Would you stop drinking coffee just because somebody tells you it's going to save the planet? 
Matt. No, because see, here's the thing. If the planet is doomed, even if it's as bad as they say they are, I can't get through it without drinking the freaking coffee. That's true. <laughs> That's a very good point. What I find interesting about this place like the World Economic Forum is who listens to these people? I know that they're trendsetters for the wealthy and the uber elite and everything, but I guarantee you, Herbert Keller, I mean, I, I guess I can't technically guarantee that. I suspect that Herbert Keller probably didn't get there on a boat that he rode himself. Right. He probably flew on a jet, unless he lives in Davos, which he might. He's a Swiss banker. Hey, maybe if he lives it's in, in Switzerland, area, he take a train. He might take a train. But still, even trains burn CO2 to some extent, even if it's an electric train, where are they getting the electricity from? So everything is emitting CO2. Is your coffee the worst offense out there? I don't think so. So am I going to stop drinking coffee? No, I don't think I am. All right, I want to play you this other clip really fast. We didn't get a chance to play this earlier, but Bill Maher, he was talking about uh, this year, 2024. 2024 is going to be a very exciting year for all of us with politics. And we don't cover a ton of politics here. We only cover it as much as we can hopefully laugh at it. And Bill Maher is a guy who likes to laugh at politics and politicians. Oddly enough, he has ended up being kind of a guy who kind of sits in the center because uh, he's not far left. He's certainly not far right. And so what he is saying, most people want this year in 2024, he wants this to be the year of one single word. And he's going to tell you about it. Over the holidays, I saw a lot of people and I asked them all the same two questions. One, have you seen Woody Harrelson? He's my ride. <laughs> and two, if I said, let's make 2024 the year of blank, what would you say? I was surprised. They all said the same thing. Sanity. Let's make this the year of sanity. Everybody thinks we've gone bonkers. A lot of it is because the far ends on both left and right have gotten way too much attention, which begs the question, how do you suck all the oxygen out of the room and still not get any to your brain? I feel like it wasn't that long ago when you could watch cable news for a day and not get the impression that this whole place was totally bat. That simply was not America. Florida, yes, but not America. <laughs> Florida, but not America. I tend to agree with that somewhat. I do think, I mean, like, you know, we just had the news that Donald Trump is probably going to be the uh, GOP candidate for president. Ron DeSantis has now dropped out. Nikki Haley will likely drop out after South Carolina or New Hampshire, Hampshire, depending on when she decides that she doesn't want to keep spending other people's money. And Trump will be the guy. And then we're going to be, once again, just like we were in 2020, Second verse, same as the first. Yeah, we're going to have a guy who's 81. We're going to have a guy that's Biden. And if you ask Kamala Harris about Biden, she says he's the smartest guy in the room at all times. In fact, she just did this interview with ABC. And she said, he's a really smart guy. Trust me. Really, really smart. You don't even want to question it. He can see you around the corner. Hello, at 81 years old already... And hoping for another four years, voter concern about President Joe Biden's age and fitness for office is growing. We asked Vice President Kamala Harris about that when we spent the day with her in the first Democratic primary state of South Carolina. She brushed it off and defended her running mate's mental sharpness. I spent a lot of time with President Biden, be it in the Oval Office, in the Situation Room, and other places. He is extraordinarily smart. He has the ability to see around the corner in terms of what might be the challenges we face as a nation or globally. But it doesn't seem 
that that's getting out and resonating with Americans, with a lot of your supporters? Well, I mean, listen, you've, you're here with me in South Carolina. You saw every room we went in, the numbers of people who are there applauding quite loudly. They're there because they believe in what we're doing and they want to see us continue to do this work. Applauding quite loudly. I like that line. I actually uh, figured that Biden probably doesn't like that. It's tough for older people when the noise gets too loud. I have uh, figured out a trick to this, though, that my father-in-law uses when he comes to visit us. He's the same age as Joe Biden. And every time he comes to our house, he gets kind of less responsive around yeah. the house. And I'm wondering, like, what's going on with this guy? Because at his house, it's no problem. But at our house, it's kind of, you know, like I have to say things twice or three times, a little bit louder also. And I asked him one time, I'm like, what do you do? Because I saw him fiddling with his ear. I'm like, oh, is something wrong? <laughs> my kids are so loud. What he does when he gets to my house, he just turns his hearing aids off. And that's his fix. Biden could be doing the same thing if it's too loud for Biden. But on the one side, we have Biden. He's 81 years old. On the other side, we have Trump. He's 77. He's going to be 78 soon. Would it be nice to have some fresh blood in here? I don't know. I'm just a person who thinks it might be nice to have some fresh blood. Don't you think, too, that part of the problem with Kamala's response is she's defending him intellectually. But the problem in campaigning is you're dealing with perception. And if too many voters perceive that, it doesn't matter how intelligent Biden actually is. In well, his also, also, we're all seeing it. I mean, you watch a speech like this and you can see that Biden is not well, that's what, my he point. Want, what, what he wants. What he wants seeing, was. it doesn't necessarily correlate to your IQ. Well, yeah, maybe he's a really super smart guy, but he's 81 years old. Exactly. And is he is he up to the job or is he maybe deserve to rest? Maybe Biden could take a break. Maybe Trump could take a break and everybody could just have a couple of fresh faces in there. Just a suggestion. It's not going to happen this year, but in four years, at least somebody fresh. All right. We got a lot more coming up on the show. I'm going to play you. People have been asking for it. I'm going to play you one of the best Trump impressions you've ever heard in your life. Also a fantastic Biden impression and... Later in the show, there's a really famous guy. He's a football player. He's got the last name Kelsey. He's not Travis Kelsey. It's his older brother. He did something so nice, so randomly nice to somebody. He wasn't asking for attention, but he did get attention for it because this woman who he did something very nice for posted it online, and now we can talk about it with you. You're going to like the guy after you hear the story. We're going to get that and a lot of other stuff coming back when we come back here at Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I don't know if you guys heard this, but Ron DeSantis has decided that he is no longer running for the highest office in the land. He recently was part of uh, the Iowa caucus, and he didn't do very well. Donald Trump did phenomenally well. He crushed everybody else, and so Ron DeSantis decided. He said, that's it for me. I'm out, guys. And this was his announcement. Now, following our second place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. 
He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackage formed of warmed over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. Yeah, he definitely got a shot in at Nikki Haley there at the end. He's not a fan of Nikki Haley. At one time, he wasn't a fan of Donald Trump either, but he's decided to throw his hat into the ring with Donald Trump. I wonder if this has anything to do with Donald Trump, probably in the near future, deciding who he's going to be running with. Do you guys think that Ron DeSantis would take that job, though? Would he accept the job of VP to Donald Trump? He seems to be doing pretty well in Florida. All the polls say that they think he's doing a good job. Maybe he just sits there and bides his time for four years, and then he gets a chance to run against. Because even if Trump wins, that would be Trump's second term as president. So he has to go after one one more term. And then Ron DeSantis steps in and maybe he's the heir apparent at that point. Who knows? But Ron DeSantis has stepped down. I wonder if one of the things that Ron DeSantis didn't do well was kind of make a name for himself. I mean, I know he makes a name for himself with policy and things like that. And again, people in Florida seem to like him. He seems like a very normal, nice guy. He's got a nice wife. He's got nice kids. He's young, which is nice. He's not super old, but is he too nice? Is he just not drawing enough attention to himself? Maybe he just needs to get a little more flashy. Donald Trump certainly knows how to draw attention to himself. Joe Biden certainly draws attention to himself. And maybe Ron DeSantis. Maybe that's maybe politics doesn't really work that way anymore. We just have to have guys out there who are constantly just sucking up the attention as much as they can. Was Ron DeSantis kind of just too square for the job? I don't know. It's a good question. He did say, though, I thought this was good. He said on his way out, he said, listen, just remember, we have a chance to be a great country. There's just a few things we got to do. And this is what Ron DeSantis believes would make us into a great country. And he also said to remember, you don't work for the government. Government works for you. And we launched this campaign to bring accountability to government, regain sovereignty at our border and restore sanity to our society. We cannot succeed as a country if we allow our nation to be invaded, our currency to be debased, our cities to crumble, and our kids to be indoctrinated. The D.C. elites who facilitated this mess do not care about you, and they do not work for you. They work for themselves. They seek to accumulate power at your expense to pursue an agenda that is harmful to the American people. Citizens do not serve politicians. It is the duty of politicians to serve you. That's very true. Politicians serve us. We don't serve them. Jay Inslee. All right, Bill Maher, I'm sorry, Bill Maher said something that Ron DeSantis would agree with. Bill Maher was talking over the weekend and he says, this needs to be the year of, there was a keyword in there that uh, Ron DeSantis just said, which was sanity. Bill Maher says, yes, this needs to be, 2024 needs to be the year of sanity. Over the holidays, I saw a lot of people and I asked them all the same two questions. One, have you seen Woody Harrelson? He's my ride. And two, if I said, let's make 2024 the year of blank, what would you say? I was surprised. They all said the same thing. Sanity. Let's make this the year of sanity. Everybody thinks we've gone bonkers. A lot of it is because the far ends on both left and right have gotten way too much attention, which begs the question, how do you suck all the oxygen out of the room and still not get any to your brain? I feel like it wasn't that long ago when you could watch cable news for a day and not get the impression that this whole place was totally batched. That simply was not America. Florida, yes, but not America. <laughs> 
But yeah, sanity. I mean, I really feel like that's what a lot of people want. I think people want to have just this craziness of the far right and the far left. Everybody's saying that the world is on fire. You're just kind of tired of it. And yes, it, it is really on fire in a lot of places. There's a lot of stuff going on. But wouldn't it be nice if we could just have some sanity? I really do like that. That's a nice word. Sanity. Sanity. Sounds like almost a mantra. Sanity. But in our political race is 2024. It's not a sane year. It's just not going to be. That's not the way that we run elections here in this country. And now we have two choices. We have Trump. And on the other side, we have Father Time, President Joe Biden. Trump is obviously draws a lot of attention to himself. He's a very controversial figure as is Joe Biden. Even ABC the other day had this piece on Joe Biden. And the prominent thing that people keep talking about with Joe Biden is his age. He's 81 years old. Yikes. That's very, very old. Can he do the job? That's what ABC wants to know. At 81 years old already and hoping for another four years, voter concern about President Joe Biden's age and fitness for office is growing. We asked Vice President Kamala Harris about that when we spent the day with her in the first Democratic primary state of South Carolina. She brushed it off and defended her running mate's mental sharpness. I spent a lot of time with President Biden, be it in the Oval Office, in the Situation Room, and other places. He is extraordinarily smart. He has the ability to see around the corner in terms of what might be the challenges we face as a nation or globally, but it doesn't seem that that's getting out and resonating with Americans, with a lot of your supporters. Well, I mean, listen, you've, you're here with me in South Carolina. You saw every room we went in, the numbers of people who are there applauding quite loudly. They're there because they believe in what <laughs> we're doing and they want to see us continue to do this work. Applauding quite loudly could be a problem for Biden because of the noise could be really loud. I have a suggestion for him. When my in-laws visit, my father-in-law, who is the same age as Joe Biden, he just turns his, uh, I, I figured this out the other day. I, I, I could see him doing something with his ear and I said, hey, uh, can I help you with something? He said, no, 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 I'm just turning my, turning my hearing aids off. He turns them off when he comes into our house because it's too loud. If that gives you any uh, insight into how loud my house is. And for Biden, maybe that's what he needs to do. Places like uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, if there's lots of cheering, just turn your hearing aid down, President Biden, and everything will sound okay. Um, let's see. Let's check in with Biden. Let's see how sharp he sounds. So the best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway... I'm, we're going to get a lot done. <laughs> we're going to get a lot done. All right. It's going to be interesting, folks. 2024, you got Trump on the one side. You got Biden on the other. They're both, I mean, Biden's 81. Trump's 77, I think. He's going to be 80 soon. And they both have a lot of downfalls. And so it'll be interesting to see who you're going to vote for. Is there somebody you're super excited about? Hit me up on the text line, 888-973-5476. Maybe you are super enthusiastic and super excited about one of these two guys. You might be, and I'd be interested to hear why. Next, I'm going to tell you about a very, very nice thing that a celebrity did for somebody and wasn't even trying to get noticed. Isn't that a nice change of pace? They just did something nice to be nice, but it did get noticed, which is okay too. All right, we got a lot more coming up on the show. We're going to be right back here on Kyra Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I'm your host, Jake Scorheim. All right, before I get to this cool story about Travis Kelsey, not Travis Kelsey, what's his name? Jason Kelsey, Travis's older brother, Jason Kelsey. Before I get to that, I want to play this audio for you really fast. There are a few people who are still 
going to be very, very happy that Donald Trump is part of the conversation. And those, of course, are the Trump impressionists, of which there are many. There's some really good ones. But one of the best is a guy named James Austin Johnson. He was stellar on this podcast. Uh, I highly recommend this podcast called Fly on the Wall, starring Dana Carvey and David Spade. And James Austin Johnson did his Trump impression for them. And he's just talking about nonsense, but it's very funny because it sounds exactly like Trump. I'm going to break down just for my own amusement. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. sure. Uh, James is awesome Trump because I, I think that the way you do it is like free association jazz. And I know you can... I yes. wanted to I wanted to say oh, that fun. a podcast clip of mine that I think I think it caught on with like Seth Meyers and his mm -hmm. group of friends because it was Trump talking about 2000s New York alt comedy. It was like I had okay. been doing <laughs> Trump. Do you want that, to do it a little bit? And then our guest Whit Thomas was like, "Hey, Tr you, weren't you a comic back then in the 2000s in New York?" And I'd be like, "Oh yeah, there's you know what? It was so wonderful to be with comedy." <laughs> You know what, with comedy, it was never about the shows. It was never about the shows. It was about the diner afterwards. We loved the diner. And I would, I'd be eating pancakes. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, he's a little, he's a little tamer back then. Excuse, can I talk, please? She's not giving me any moment to talk. I'm eating pancakes with Patrice O'Neill, and I just can't believe that I get to do this every night. It's so wonderful. Greatest city on earth. You do Gotham, and you do Rafifi, and you do, maybe you'd get a spot at the Boston or something, and a little couple dollars in your pocket, and you say, oh, this is a pretty good gig. <laughs> Made 300 bucks tonight, you know, maybe buy a PlayStation or go to Gap. <laughs> There's so much detail in that. And you did the little breath thing, you know. Oh, it's so funny. Dana Carvey does one of the best, I think the absolute best, phenomenal Joe Biden impression. And this is uh, this is Dana Carvey doing his Joe Biden impression. Very, very funny. But Biden was just, you know, kind of, kind of, initially it was my father. Lost his job. No, oh. no joke. No joke. No one thinks it's a joke. Yeah. I'm getting around here. Come on, like the Founding Fathers proclamated in the Declaration of Impedance. The people, all men are secreted equally. Excuse me, secreted, pardon me, Pirates of the Caribbean. I would very much look forward to Dana Carvey doing his Joe Biden and James Austin Johnson doing his Trump as they debate each other in what inevitably will be the Trump-Biden debates. If they ever debate, there's a good chance that neither of those guys want to debate. Biden just decides he doesn't want to. Trump says, I'm not going to. There you go. They don't. We'll just leave it up to the vote. All right, let's get to uh, really fast. I was teasing this story earlier. Jason Kelsey, he is center for the Philadelphia Eagles. Really, really popular football player. Uh, apparently, he's a regular customer at McDonald's. And every morning, he goes and he gets a uh, the same thing every morning at McDonald's on his way, I assume, into the Eagles facility. And he gets a sausage, egg, and cheese, which I can tell you is a very good sandwich at McDonald's. You guys have probably had it yourself. It's very, very delicious. But there's an employee there. Her name is Danielle Bonham. She's a huge fan of his. And so every day they talk to each other through the window. And he, t he gives the order and she's nice. And so he showed up the other day and just completely unwarranted. He shows up and she he gets the order. He hands her the money for the food. And then he also hands in something else, which is his jersey, an Eagles assigned number 62 Eagles jersey. And he, he wrote on, he signed it. He said, to Danielle, go birds, thank you. 
And apparently he's been going, this according to people, he's been going to this McDonald's re location regularly and they have shared several exchanges back and forth. She has told him how much she, uh, apparently in this uh, one of these photos, she said, I'm th I thanked him for everything he does for the community. And he turned around and he thanked me for always being kind. She wrote, he said, you're one of the best people that works for this corporation. I almost cried. Now that is the, uh, the uh, uh, McDonald's employee talking there. How cool is that? That that guy just shows up, he's just getting his sausage, egg and cheese in the morning and he takes the time to go, hey, you know what would really make this person's day? Signing this thing for her. I think that's so cool. So it's fun to highlight that guy. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We had a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun playing all that audio for you and telling all the stories. If you guys have any suggestions for the show, you're welcome to hit us up on the text line. You can follow us on the Facebook page, on Twitter, or on Instagram, all that stuff. We're everywhere. So check us out there. But for now, that's it. We'll see you back here tomorrow night. Night-night. <laughs>